Sunday is Christmas Eve, so you're down to a week to get it all done. And if you were to walk into our house, Becky and I's house, you would see probably like most of yours, most of that Christmas stuff is pretty well done. Uh, we've got our decor up, we've got our Christmas tree up, uh, we've got just all the stuff that goes in boxes, the Christmas decor boxes, all that's already been out, it's all done. The only thing that might look a little bit different, and depending on how you and your family kind of plan for Christmas, if you were to go in our living room and you see the Christmas tree, you'll see the stockings, the tree, everything else, you will see zero presents under our Christmas tree right now. And uh, you might be asking yourself, well, that's probably because Brian just hasn't bought any yet. Nope, nope, that's not it. That's not it. We have actually been pretty preemptive. We're, we're, we are done, right? It's another Another side topic. We're done with Christmas shopping. Um, and so it's not because we don't have them, but we found early on because we started to put out, oh, let's wrap them, get the kids excited about it. So we started by putting a few uh, Christmas presents under the tree. And then we had this aha moment of we have a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a now one-year-old. Of My five-year-old likes to just shake everything up till it's like, well, that used to be something you wanted, but not anymore. My two-year-old would, he's the sneaky one. He, no kidding, was walking around with one present behind his back, starting to tear the wrapping paper off. I'm like, I can see you. I know what you're doing. And then my one-year-old just chews on him. And so we decided, no Christmas presents under the tree. Everything's coming Christmas Eve. But here's what we learned. And, and I should have known this as, as a father, as a parent, is that my kids are great kids. But all kids are terrible at waiting, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's ingrained in all of us. We're all bad at waiting, but kids have not learned to at least cope with it or at least to hide it somewhat. We're not good at waiting whatsoever. And that was really the root of the issue is I've got three kids, five and under, that have no concept of I have to wait. It's I'm excited, I want it now, so that's exactly what I'm gonna do. I act on that impulse but through our years, as we quote-unquote mature, we learn to tame that just a little bit, some more than others. We try to tame that. We try to hide it. We try to work through it. And we have to learn to wait. In fact, we have to grow in our waiting. And I always love the holiday season because, you know, we, we're pretty good people, but, and we're not perfect. I know all that. But you put us in the middle of holidays and all the bad stuff in us just gets multiplied. It just gets magnified. It's like, ah, that's who we really are. And especially with the waiting side of that. I mean, we have been waiting in lines since Thanksgiving practically. And it's at stores, it's at groceries. It's, we wait in line a lot because obviously a lot of people have a lot to get done. So here's what my hope is as we go through scripture this morning. Is that we would learn to become good at waiting. That we would wait well, in other words. And here's why I think that's important. Uh, it's not so that we just keep the sanity. That's part of it. But it's amazing what God does in our waiting. It ama it's amazing what God does even in us while we wait. So if we can learn to wait well, I think we will see God do some pretty incredible and amazing things in our lives as we're going to see this morning. So if you have your Bibles, head on over to Luke. Uh, we've been looking through the, the Christmas story and different uh, individuals involved with the birth of Christ. And where we're going to pick it up is a man named Simeon. And Simeon comes onto the scene right after Jesus was born. So obviously Mary and Joseph, they got their news from the angel. And, and Jesus was then born and the shepherds came. Uh, the wise men most likely have not come yet. Um, but the shepherds have probably already come. And here... We pick it up about eight days, just a little over a week after Jesus was born. And here's what we find, verse 25 out of Luke chapter 2. 
Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was, and what's that W word? Waiting. Waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, Jesus. Verse 27, but moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. And here's what he said, verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, Gentiles meaning anyone not Jewish, so all people, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. What was that big W word? Simeon was waiting. And what we see in just these short verses of a man that is pretty unknown in the Christmas story. My nativity at home does not have a Simeon in it. <laughs> uh, we have all the other characters, but he's not in there. But what's pretty amazing is his willingness and his ability to wait well. He waits extremely well, but as we see, he doesn't just wait well, he also listens very well. So we want to look at those two things and see how they're tied together hand in hand of waiting well and how that also ties into how well or how well we don't Listen, it says here, what was he waiting for? If you go back, verse 25, about halfway through, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, that's a, that's a big phrase there, and, and we're not really sure what that means. So if we go back into the Old Testament, we see the reality of where the Israelites were at this time, but also the promise that God had given them. See, because of their disobedience, God had scattered the Israelites. They, they were no longer in just one spot unified together as the Israelites. They had been scattered some of them were taken captive and now in slavery. Some of them just ran away. They were scattered all over the place. That was the reality. So that consolation of Israel that Simeon's referring to, what he was waiting for was the promise that they would be brought back together. That yes, God scattered them all over the place, but he also promised to bring them back. You don't have to turn there, but let me read Jeremiah 31. It speaks to that reality, but then also the hope and the promise that God gave them. Verses 10 and 11. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel, God did that, that was the reality. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will deliver Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. So in other words, again, the reality was the Israelites were scattered all over the place. They were under, by the, the time Simeon's on the scene, his generation, they're under the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire. And so they're just waiting for God to do what he promised. Not just Simeon, but the Israelites were waiting for God to make good on the promise. Now, if you were to take your paper Bible and go from Luke all the way back to Jeremiah, where we were reading, I know these pages are small, that's a lot of waiting. <laughs> that's generation after generation after generation after generation saying, God, you promised you were going to gather us back together. God, you promised that you would shepherd us like you said, but we haven't seen it yet. And so here... Simeon is learning to wait, and he has learned to wait well. But he's also waiting not just for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the Messiah. The Holy Spirit had told him, you will see Jesus before you die. That's that last part of him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. So he's waiting for two things, the consolation of Israel, but also for Jesus. And he's been waiting his entire life to see those things begin to happen. 
So how did Simeon wait well, and how do we need to learn to wait well? How do we grow in our waiting? There's two, what I would see is kind of two ways to wait, two mentalities when it comes to waiting. The first one is what we all have a lot of experience in, waiting in line. doesn't matter what line, line at the grocery store, the store in general, I mean, you name it, you wait in line. And when we wait in line, there's a progression that happens inside of us that eventually becomes uh, very apparent on the outward, on the outward, is we begin by looking kind of like this, don't we? We wait. A couple minutes pass, and then we turn to this. Any tappers? Yeah, any of, any of these people? Uh, you start to get a little jittery, and then we start looking more at our watch, and then we start doing the look around. Here's what the look around does. I'm looking for somebody, but I don't know who to speed this line up. That's what that means. It's the look around. And it's, and it's your eyeballing the counter or the checkout line. And, and then we begin to have this inner monologue of, here's what I'm going to say when I get up there. And, and we go through this whole emotional routine all in our head because we get so worked up because of how long we've had to wait in line. It's very self-focused. It's very me. I don't want to wait in line. What's taking them so long? When's it going to be my turn? But we've all experienced that on some level. We are not good at waiting in line. What's the holdup? Why are we not moving? Now, in our relationship with God, when we find ourselves waiting, which we most certainly do, the unanswered prayers, the promises that your pastor tells you about every Sunday in Scripture, but it just doesn't seem to be real in my own life, those things that we feel like we're just waiting on, we translate that and we say, well, God, when's it my turn? God, why do all these other people get that and I don't? You see how we transfer that into our relationship with God? It becomes a very, why me? And, and what's the hold up? And God, do you not care? God, can you not move fast enough? God, why am I still waiting? That's one way to wait, the waiting in line Mentality. Now, there's another type of waiting that still deals with the line, but it's a starting line. And uh, we've all waited in line. I'm not sure how many of us have actually ever raced, so I won't ask that question. But if there was a starting line, it's a very different posture. It's, it's a very different mentality where you come up to the line and you get in a stance. You get in your pose because you're ready and waiting, aren't you? You get to the starting line and you hear that on your mark, get set. Not, no, this is a sermon on waiting. We don't, we don't say go yet. <laughs> Wait for it. <laughs> Wait for it. And you, you hold that position until you hear the gunshot, until you hear the go. You get the green light to go. But those are very different postures and approaches. Waiting in line says, how much longer? What's the holdup? I'm tired of waiting. The starting line, the waiting on the starting line, man, you are eager, you are anticipating, you are excited, even though you haven't been given permission to go yet, even though you haven't started anything. Two very different ways to wait. We need to learn to wait well, just like Simeon waited well. So I've got three words for you, and yes, they all start with the same letter, because we all know pastors cannot give you any helpful advice without them all starting with the same letter or spelling something. So these all start with the letter A for you. First one is, and thinking of the starting line, it's anticipation. You, you are on that line. Nothing's happened yet. You've not gone anywhere, but you're anticipating that it's going to happen. When you hear on your mark, get set, we all know that go is coming. We know that the gunshot is coming. So on your mark, get set, even in the time of waiting, we're anticipating to go. We know it's going to happen. And so we're anticipating. On the flip side, when we wait in line, is this ever going to end? 
You hear the difference? <laughs> There's no anticipation here. In fact, we begin to look at the stuff that we're getting ready to purchase, and we begin to, in our minds, think, is it really worth it? I could leave this all right here and just walk out the door. But then I have to explain to my wife why I didn't come home with all the groceries. Surely she'll understand. No, she won't understand. I'm going to stay in line. Do you hear the difference of how much longer will this ever end to the anticipation of I'm ready? Anticipation is the first one. Awareness is the other one. When you're on the starting line, it's not just me. I'm looking at other things. I'm watching where I'm going. I'm looking out. There's an awareness that goes beyond just self. Again, when we wait in line, as I said, it becomes very self-centered and self-focused. We get so caught up in our own mind, and this has happened, unfortunately, to me on multiple occasions. While you're standing here, you would never say these things out loud until you got to the counter and talked to a manager. But in your mind, you begin to just fume, and you just are fuming, and you begin to almost role play. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, if, if they ask me how my day is going, I'm going to tell them how my day is going. And we begin to just think through all these things to the point where we are now oblivious to the other things and the other people around us in line. Because what will happen, and I know it happens because I've been the one to tell people in line this, and I've been the one that's been shouted out before, is you're just going through this, going through this, and then somebody says, hey, hey, you're next. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been waiting for an hour, and somehow I forgot that I'm next. Why is that? Because we get so caught up in all of our own stuff that we have become oblivious to what is actually happening. We're not very aware when it becomes so self-focused. We're extremely, we're hyper-aware when we're on the starting line. Last one's availability, of being available. When you hear that on your mark, get set. You're, you're anticipating, you're very aware, but as soon as that person says go, you get the green light or the gunshot goes off, you do not see anyone on that starting line says, well, I'm not quite ready. Can we do that one more time? Did you say go now or go later? Let's talk about this for a moment. No, they're so ready that as soon as you hear go, they're off and running. The waiting in line is very different. Available, well, when it gets to me, I guess I'll go. Right? Two very different approaches to waiting, two very different environments and scenarios and situations, obviously, but in our lives, regardless of what we find ourselves waiting on God for, do you feel, do you picture yourself waiting in line? Well, God will get to me when he can get to me. We'll see. When, when he finally does answer this, I'm going to have a few choice words for him. But do we have that kind of relationship and demeanor with God? Or are we saying, okay, God, I don't know exactly when you're going to say go, but I'm ready. As soon as you say go, as soon as you come through with it, I'm ready and I'm anticipating because I know it's going to happen. I believe it with all my heart. That's called hope. Understand, hope does not mean, well, I really wish it would happen. Sometimes we interchange hope and wish. Those are not the same words. No, hope is it hasn't happened, but I know it's going to happen. That's hope. And when you stand on that starting line, that's full of hope. It's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. The waiting in line says, I don't even know if it is going to happen. We may never get through this line. This may never actually happen. I don't know if it's worth it anymore. We need to learn to wait well. We wait well by being in anticipation. It hasn't happened yet, but I believe it's going to. That's hope. Being aware of the people around us, being aware of what God's doing around us, not being totally oblivious to the people around us and the situations and the environments and what God is already at work in around us. It's being available. When he shows up, we go. We don't just wait. So here's what Simeon does, and he, again, he does it very well. 
He waits well with anticipation. Hasn't happened yet, but he knows it's gonna happen. And he's aware of his surroundings. He's very available to do whatever God would call him to do and however God would begin to answer that. So here's what I would maybe challenge us on. It's a, it's a question that I would really encourage you to begin to ask each and every morning. Instead of waking up saying, well, God, I hope you do something today. Right? There's that interchanging hope with wish. I wish you would do something today. Instead, what if we woke up and says, I, I have hope that, God, you're going to do something. It may or may not be today, but I'm going to be watching for it. What if we actually woke up and, and just kind of trained ourselves to think a little bit differently about our everyday day today? of how might God make good on his promises today? How might God be keeping his promises today? How is God gonna start keeping his promises today? And it allows us to begin to look for those things. I was having a conversation after first services this morning, and it was a great dialogue of, man, we love it when God answers our prayers all at once. God, help provide for us. Great, here's a million dollars. <laughs> well, that would be awesome. That's not how it always works. In fact, it rarely works that way. Instead, what does God do? Surely, but over time, piece by piece, these moments of provision that a year or two later, and the family I was talking to just said, man, you look at where we were at two years ago to now, God has provided. It doesn't always feel like it along the way, but look at the big picture. And that's what that question helps us do. Today, how might God begin to keep his promises to me? And allows us to be, again, part of those A's, is aware, aware of what God is actually doing around us. Instead of just being so focused on what I don't have, what God hasn't answered yet, makes it makes us think a little bit differently. Being on that starting line, learning to wait well. So Simeon waited extremely well. Also said that he listened well. Look at verse 27. It says, moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and then praised God. So understand, he was waiting well for the two things, the consolation of Israel, but also for the Messiah. The spirit told him, you will see Jesus before you die. So he's waiting for that moment. Didn't know when it was gonna happen. It could have been any time at any day. He was constantly aware. He was expecting, anticipating, and staying available until the moment the spirit said, go to the temple courts. Notice the spirit didn't say, go to the temple courts. Today's your day. You've been waiting long enough. We finally got it. No, it was, go to the temple courts. And you've got to think, if I'm Simeon, if you were in that spot too, waiting and waiting and waiting, you'd be thinking, seriously, I can wait right here. Do I have to go? How many times has maybe the spirit nudged me and it didn't lead to what I thought it would? See, our waiting, when we don't wait well, begins to cause deafness. It, it allows us, it causes us to not be allowed to hear his, his voice as easily. When we don't wait well, remember when we go back to waiting in line, we become very oblivious, we're not very aware, we're not in tune with what God's saying and what God's doing. Simeon was waiting well, so he's also able to hear the Spirit's voice, and he obeyed. Spirit said, go to the temple courts. Okay, available, right? I'm gonna go. And because he obeyed, because he listened and followed the Spirit's leading, that's what allowed him to see God's promise fulfilled. He was able to experience, again, what he called the peace of being able to see God's promise fulfilled and God making good on his promise. Now let's play the what if game. What if Simeon just didn't pay attention to the Spirit's voice? Well, he probably wouldn't have seen Jesus. What if Simeon was just too tired of waiting and was so over waiting and just said, you know what, forget it, it's never gonna happen. He obviously would have missed it. I mean, you could go through all sorts of what if scenarios of what if he, and it all comes down to, what if he didn't listen to the Spirit's leading? 
he would not have seen God's promise fulfilled and he would have still been stuck waiting. I wonder how many promises God has kept for us that we just are oblivious to because we didn't listen. We didn't follow his direction. Now, does that mean that the promise wasn't fulfilled? No, that's on us. It's on us for not paying attention. That's on us for not being aware and available and anticipating what he would actually do. Jesus even speaks to the role of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, another word for the Holy Spirit, will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is a helper. You have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is that voice that speaks to our mind and to our heart, to our very soul. Holy Spirit is what convicts us, nudges us, prompts us, pushes us. It's that, what, what, if you're not a believer, you would say it's your conscience or, well, my gut told me, right? Uh, God don't, definitely works through feelings, but it's the Holy Spirit living in us that truly does guide us. The question is, are we listening? So how do we listen well? If we can learn to wait well, how do then do we listen well like Simeon? Listening or hearing really involves two, two aspects, volume and proximity. Volume and proximity. Even just right now, you're listening to the powerful and influential words of your pastor because of two things, volume and proximity. That wasn't a joke, that was true. <laughs> volume and proximity. Volume. If we took the volume out, it would be a little bit of a different story. So Brandon loves it, loves it when he gets to hit that mute button. Hit that mute button, Brandon. Back on. Thank you. Wasn't sure you would actually turn it back on. <laughs> you take the volume out, and hearing and listening becomes extremely difficult. But you also have to have proximity. Just because you can be loud, I'm loud a lot of times, but if I'm 20 miles away, it doesn't matter how loud I am, you're still not going to be able to hear me. You're still not going to be able to listen. So you have to have the right volume, but also the right proximity. That's how we hear in any context, but also with God. Now, if you go through scripture, you'll see God can and does speak in all kinds of different ways. So different ways. So I'm not going to pigeon and say he's only going to speak in this way. But what we do see is there is a, a generality of God speaking through a quiet whisper. A quiet whisper where he gets real soft. And what tends to happen is as God's voice and his volume gets lower, we usually don't adjust. If we don't get quiet with him, are we going to be able to hear? If our volume's here and God's volume's here, are we going to be able to hear? No. As God's voice gets that, as scripture calls it, that be still and know him, that quiet voice, that whisper. As he begins to whisper, we need to get even quieter than God. And then the proximity has a lot to do with it. I see with, with, my, with my boys, I'll, we do a lot of like just fun surprises. I just like to mess around with them. So from the other side of the room, I'll say, hey, Connor, Cole, I've got a surprise. And I'll say, well, what is it? And I'll start to whisper it. So here's what we're going to do. And they just make a beeline. They run from the other side of the room. They just run on over. And then, again, we have young kids. And so he usually puts his ear like straight on my mouth, like quite literally. I'm like, okay, you'll, you'll be able to hear me. Just back up a little bit. But he does. He goes, what, Dad? And he puts his ear like right to my face. I believe God chooses a lot of times to whisper because he wants that with us. God's desire is to have a relationship with us. I think that's why we don't see plans written in the sky. 
I think that's why we don't always have the bold, loud voice of God, because if that was the case, we don't need proximity. Walk outside, look up at the sky. That's what I'm supposed to do today. Okay, I'll go on with it. Instead of God whispering, that requires us to get quiet and close, so close that we have to put our ear right up to his lips. That's the relationship God desires. It's the relationship that we see with Simeon. In fact, if you go back to the very beginning, it says that Simeon, he was a righteous and devout man, meaning he was listening to God. He was, he was quieter than God, and he was close to God. So you want to hear the Spirit move in your life? You want to hear the Spirit direct you and lead you like, it, like he's supposed to, like Jesus had, had planned for the Spirit to do in our lives? Grow quiet and get close. If you want to hear from God through the Spirit, grow. And I'm saying grow very intentionally because it, it takes, well, at least for me, it takes a lot to be quiet. <laughs> I have to learn it. I have to grow with it. Grow quiet and move close. That's how we hear the Holy Spirit nudge us and prompt us and direct us and lead us. Get closer to him. Get a lot more quiet. And we'll begin to not just learn to wait well, but we'll also learn to listen well. So I'm going to give you a way to maybe help with this this week. Is I know in the craziness, I'm still hoping, truly hoping that you will uh, be become more in tune with the Holy Spirit and, and quiet sometimes of your life and your day so that you can be more attentive. And as you grow with him, you'll hear more. Um, and I know it's going to happen this week because it's going to happen uh, to me. It's just, are we listening? God's going to put some people on your mind. He's going to put some people on your heart like, for whatever reason, you popped in my head and I feel like I just need to encourage them or I need to do something for them. I mean, that's, that's pretty typical in this kind of a season. We become a little bit more attuned with people's needs around Christmas. So what I'm gonna help you with, I can't help you with the listening part. That's between you and God. But I wanna at least give you some small resource to help with that. So tomorrow morning on our Instagram and our Facebook social sites, I'm gonna post the, uh, a gift card for Starbucks, right? And if you did not know this, you can pay at a Starbucks counter with an app believe it or not, even with an image. It acts just like a gift card. So I'm gonna load some money on there tomorrow morning and what I want you to begin to do is, okay, God, who do you wanna use me for this week? God, who needs some encouragement this week? Speak to me and just put a name on my heart, put a name in my mind. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's a family member. I don't know what it is, but you have my permission. Just pull up that picture and you just go to Starbucks and you show them the picture and they'll scan it and you can get you and that other person something from Starbucks, something from Starbucks. And that's a, a great way of, not just listening to the Holy Spirit, but then following through. The Holy Spirit's job is to lead and guide us, but we have to listen and follow. So this week, begin to ask that question. Okay, God, who do you want to bless through me? God, who do, you, who do I need to encourage this week? And maybe you go through the drive-thru and you pick up something for the coworker and then you surprise them. And maybe it's somebody that you've been meaning to talk with and you just need to, to share some things or you just wanna meet with them. You and both, you can use the Starbucks, not just for the person, I'll let you get you something too, because I'm super nice. And so then you can use that for that. Does that make sense? But just pull it up on your phone. You don't have to have the app. All you gotta do is show them the picture. Now, when those funds are gone, they're gone. I'm just letting you know that. So if you decide to surprise like 50 people at work, you're gonna use all that and nobody else is gonna get to have some fun this week. So if you want to use it, be part of it. If you wanna add some money to that, you're more than welcome to. Just let the barista know, hey, we wanna add another $5 or $10 and they can keep reloading. When it's gone, it's gone. Uh, but it'll be a way for you to have some resources to truly love on somebody else this week. But ask the question, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Sound good? You wanna try it this week, see how it goes? All right, excellent. All right, last thing I want you to see, the last part of Simeon's story is how he praises God. He, he sees the promise been, the, the prayer been answered, the promise uh, made good. Verse 29, here's what he says. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed. Here's what I want you to do. He, he had waited, 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 and he had listened, 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 but he finally got to the point where, God, you did exactly what you said you would do. You made good on your promise, and now I'm able to go in peace. So I want you to write down two things for me on your worship. I'd re- really do this. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to do it. Is I want you to write down two things. One, what's a promise God has kept in your life? What's a promise that God has already kept? Something like, like Simeon we could praise God for. God, you have made good on your word, and you have done this. Maybe it was an answer to prayer. Maybe it's just a promise that you've read in scripture and you've seen it very real in your life. Just write down one thing, just between you and God, and you're not gonna turn these in or anything. What is something that God has, has made good on, a promise or a prayer that you can say, praise God, he has done exactly what he promised. Write that down. This one's gonna be a little bit harder to write. What is something you're still waiting on God to do? So we're gonna praise God for what he's already done, but what's something you're still waiting on? Is there an unanswered prayer that you just keep praying and praying and praying and you're still waiting on God? Maybe it's a promise, again, that we see in Scripture. It just doesn't seem to be in your life. I know you say this, God, but it just, I don't see it in my life. I don't know what that might be. Where's an area, what is something that you feel like you're still waiting on God to do or for God to answer? With that in mind, uh, I was challenged on this in my own prayer life by Pastor Mark Batterson. He's a pastor in Washington, D.C., and uh, he was talking about the ways that we pray, and one of them is what he would call the ASAP prayers, <laughs> which tend to be a lot of my prayers, I'll be honest. Is God, I need this now, and, and we, what we do is we give God a deadline, don't we? we? Say, God, man, you've got one week to really make this work, so uh, whatever you gotta do, get it done. <laughs> and we put all the pressure on him, which totally he can handle it, but he's saying, uh, that's not my plan. If you were listening, you would know that. <laughs> he says, we give the deadline, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. Isaiah says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So, but we tend to pray that way. God, I need this right now. This has to happen now. Okay, by tomorrow after work, you've got to make this happen. We give God these prayers, and we kind of have ASAP on them. What if we prayed a little bit differently? I've got to look at my notes because it's a little bit of a different way of looking at it. Instead of ASAP, A-L-A-I-T. A-L-A-I-T. As long as it takes. As long as it takes. What if we prayed like that? God, I don't know your timing. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating and I'm ready and I'm aware, but I don't know when it's gonna actually happen. But I'm gonna pray as long as it takes. As long as it takes, because I know that it's gonna happen. I have hope that it will happen. It just hasn't happened yet. So instead of ASAP, can we pray as long as it takes? Let me end with Hebrews for you. Hebrews says this out of chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold it tightly without wavering to the what? Hope. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Most definitely it is a season of hope because this season is us remembering the promise God kept. All the other promises too. So may we hold tightly to that hope. May we wait well. May we listen well. May we continue to pray instead of ASAP. May we pray, well, as long as it takes. But we still have hope because it's gonna happen. Just don't know when. So instead of feeling like we're waiting in line, may we wait on the starting line with anticipation, awareness, and availability to see what God is going to do. Because when it does happen, just like with Simeon, praise God. He did exactly what he said he would do. 
He made good on his promise. And now I can walk out in peace. My prayer for you is not so much the peace that will come. My prayer for you is the hope. Because I know how hard it is to wait. But may we wait well, even in the season of waiting, we still can have hope, right? Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope says it hasn't happened, but I know it's going to. So may you have hope while you wait well. And while we wait well, may we listen to the Spirit's leading. I'm going to have uh, Ontavia, the band, they're going to come on up. I'm going to pray in a second. But I, I want to just give you a little context of the song that they're going to sing. And a uh, song we all know, Oh Holy Night. That song is really a song of, of waiting. You know, it says, man, the, because of the sin and, and just the, the situation of the earth, and it, says, it even uses this old English word pining, which means just longing for. There's this waiting that Simeon is even, that we would reference to as Simeon. Of, I'm just waiting for God to do what he said. I'm just waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. And so that's kind of the start of the song, and then it flips over, and it's, oh, holy night, the night that Christ was born. That's when we rejoice. See, our lives are full of this waiting for God to fulfill his promises. May we continue to focus on the promises he will continue to fulfill. But even in the midst of waiting, let's look for how he's constantly doing that each and every day. Let me pray for us and we'll sing. Jesus, thank you so much for the promise that you fulfilled by coming here to earth. What you gave up so that you could come and be with us, that you would be God with us, Emmanuel. God, will confess we are not the best waiters. We want things when we want them, in our time, in our way. But God, that's not how it works. And so right here and right now, we, we confess that we don't always approach you in the right way in the midst of our waiting. God, help us to be more on the starting line than waiting in line. Help us to be aware of the hope that we have, even though the promise hasn't happened yet, hasn't been fulfilled yet, we know and we believe with all of our heart and our soul and our being that that promise will be fulfilled. You keep your promises, just like your word says over and over and over again. So while we wait on those unanswered prayers, may we wait well, looking for what you're doing and what you're going to do. May we listen to your spirit's leading so we don't miss the promises that you're gonna keep. May we pray for as long as it takes. Instead of giving you deadlines, we're on that line ready to go. Jesus, thank you for what you gave up for us. In Jesus' name.